The big question that every writer has is, how can I sell more books? Or if they're not published yet, it's how can I write books that sell? But when writers approach selling books from a numbers perspective, they're missing out on the amazing relationships they could be building with readers through their stories. It's impossible to write books that resonate with readers when you're writing for money, because money can't read. But shouldn't writers be able to make a living with their stories? Well, when you connect with human souls, readers turn into fans and friends, and that's when consistent income begins. That and so much more. But how do writers connect with readers? That is the question this podcast aims to answer. My name is Kristen Spencer, and this is the Expensive Words Podcast. Before we get to the details of today's episode, I want to acknowledge that this is actually my 20th podcast episode, which surprises me, I guess. Uh, I didn't know how it's I was going to be able to deal with this kind of intense challenge. And the truth is, today I was like, oh, I have to go record a podcast because I'm just exhausted. But then I thought, oh, one of the things on my list of what I wanted to talk about corresponds with this today. So then I got excited about it. So it's one of those back and forth things. And if you're still listening and you're here with me for the 20th episode I would like to say a sincere thank you. I appreciate you. And I hope that uh, in all this rambling, which I hope is not incoherent, that you have learned something about how to use expensive words and how to write when you don't feel inspired, how to keep going in a really long type of activity, a long game activity, a marathon of an activity, And today I want to talk about why being creative is so hard. And there are a lot of reasons why I believe being creative is so hard. Uh, But I thought today I would talk about something that happened to me and how I ended up being disappointed. And then I'll talk about how being creative bleeds over into everything in your life. So let's start with a story, per the norm. Uh, I was, when I was young, my father really liked science fiction, fantasy, superhero type stories. And so we watched uh, the, the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, which can I just first address the sexist title of the film? Because, you know, it's like the elephant in the room when we talk about these things. Uh, these ventures in Hollywood or, you know, in publishing from 20 years ago uh, that as we're looking back, we're like, oh, that's not inclusive language. So in this case, it's gentlemen. But one of the gentlemen, uh, I hope you could see my air quotes when I did that, was a woman, a vampire, actually. And so it wasn't only gentlemen in the league. So probably a League of Extraordinary um, Beings or People. I don't know. You know, it's one of those things where the ni- the name that they chose sounds better. And <laughs> that's another thing is like now when you're being creative, you have to be inclusive too, and that's more difficult. And that's one of the reasons why some people are so hesitant to be inclusive because it takes a lot more work. 
Uh, so that's just another little sliver of why being creative is so hard, but it's worth it. Inclusivity and representation are both worthwhile ideas, and even though they stretch our creative brains, uh, it's worth those stretching moments in order to get it right so that the things that we do age well, unlike this film, uh, which, okay, it's still pretty good. But so what happened was, when I was younger, I watched this film. I thought it was really impressive. I was really excited. Uh, I loved Captain Nemo and his cool, super cool submarine, his amazing uh, pimped out ride. And it was just one of those moments that I still remember even as an adult. And I remember watching it with my family and especially with my dad because he was really excited about it. Uh, I remember the, you know, Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde, Mr. Hyde, Dr. Oh, my gosh. What? What is happening right now? Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde, right? Yeah. Okay. Because the doctor is like the non-crazy one. And then the Mr. Hyde, which is supposed to be the crazy, he's not a doctor. So that's what I'm going with. Uh, so I watched the film and I don't actually remember Dorian Gray being in it because he just wasn't on my radar as a kid. And, you know, I'm pretty glad about that because if you are like an 11 year old girl who has read about, you know, uh, the Picture of Dorian Gray by Oscar Wilde. You've read too much. You That probably wasn't super age-appropriate. So I didn't know who he was. I watched the movie. I thought it was great. You know, fast forward a bunch of years later, and I actually read The Picture of Dorian Gray by Oscar Wilde. It was on my TBR. It's a really great book. Uh, I'm actually going to review it on this podcast at some point because it's on the list the in-progress list of the top 10 books that I think every writer should read. And so I will do a full review on each one of those books. So far, I have, uh, I have three books on the list for sure. And then I have like books I'm testing to see if they'll go on. And then I have authors that I'm trying to decide which one of their books should go on the list. So, but that is definitely one of the books on the list. And so I read the book and I I just still didn't, it never connected in my mind that Dorian Gray, the main character in this book by Oscar Wilde, is one of the guys in the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen until we decided that we were going to watch the film for Family Night. And Family Night uh, is usually comprised of either we'll watch something new that we've all been wanting to watch or Travis and I will take our kids through some of the films that we feel uh, have shaped our artistic, uh, you know, our creative influences, basically. And so we've watched things with them like uh, Princess Bride. Of course, you know, you should, if you haven't seen that movie, yeah, you, you have to see it. I mean, there's a reason why there are like a million Princess Bride memes out there in the world it's just one of those stories that I never get sick of watching it. If it's on uh, cable, when I'm scrolling through the guide, I'm going to watch it. And so we've watched things like that and Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventures, which our kids were not that impressed with. I'm sorry to admit. Uh, I still love it. I, like I said, I haven't seen the new one yet. I probably won't see it for a while because it's just not on my radar right now. And it's just not 
I don't want to spend money on that right now. Uh, so we we watched uh, the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. I I finally realized, oh, it's like the Dorian Gray. It's Dorian Gray from Oscar Wilde's book, and his superpower is uh, that he can't that nothing can happen to him because he has this. Uh, uh, I mean, I'm gonna. I'm not going to spoil the whole book for you, uh, really, but there's, you know, at the very beginning of the book, there's this painting that happens of Dorian Gray, and some kind of magic happens because the painter's in love with him, uh, and the beauty of the painting always stays on actual Dorian Gray's physical body, while all the things that he does get soaked into the painting. And so the painting changes and he doesn't change. And that's the point of the book is like, well, what can he do since he doesn't change physically, only the painting changes. And this is an idea that they explore in the film by saying, okay, well, if he gets shot, he doesn't really get shot. The painting gets shot. So that's his superpower. But at some point in the film, they reveal what the photo of Dorian Gray, what the portrait looks like. And I was so disappointed because it just looked like, you know, Tales from the Crypt Crypt Keeper. I'm totally dating myself here, but uh, you know that guy, like he just looks like a person who's kind of dead. He doesn't look like a person who's particularly wicked. And that's what I wanted to see. So I was like, yes, I had forgotten about this in the film. I'm waiting because I know that they're probably going to unveil the portrait. And then when they did, I was like super let down. And I thought, hey, they were just being lazy. They were just being lazy. They were like, oh, let's just make a portrait of him that looks basically dead. No, that's not what the portrait does. And so I was so irritated. (laughs) And I was trying not to ruin the movie for my kids because, you know, there's still lots of other fun things in that movie. Uh, You know, there's lots of intrigue and mystery and the different powers that the different characters have are very interesting. So I was trying to be like, okay, Kristen, don't complain about this. Because sometimes I do that where like something in the movie has just uh, driven me insane. Just like one, it could be anything. It could be something small. And then I'll just be like, oh, that was dumb. That ruined it for me. And my family is like, so irritated when I do that. And they'll be like, okay, but it was still a good story, mom. And I'll be like, okay, well, yeah. mm." You know, because I just, (laughs) I can't help but pay attention to those little details that should matter. uh, If you've gone through my story filters course, which is going to be out everywhere really soon. Uh, I I say you should put all these things through these story filters because then with the things that you have left, it they will matter to the reader. They will be important and they will contribute to your story. And I don't want details that don't contribute to the story or lazy details that weren't fleshed out. And in this case, I feel like the representation of the portrait in the film was not fleshed out properly. And I don't blame whoever, whichever artist made it, I'm sure that they didn't have good instructions. That's <laughs> that's all I can think of because if it was me, not that I 
am great at art, uh, one of the things that I have done in my life is famously not be able to keep going in art school because I couldn't draw. Like all my drawing assignments had D's on them and anything else I could manage, but I couldn't get into the drawing classes because they were impacted. So I was like, peace. And then I ended up getting a degree in comparative world literature. So I, I'm not claiming to have the aptitude for painting a portrait of Dorian Gray, but I just feel like People in Hollywood who do this kind of art are very talented. They're extremely good at what they do. And the only reason why this picture could have been so bad is because someone didn't really communicate to the artist what the picture or what the portrait represented. And so I'm just going to blame that on everyone but the artist in this case, uh, the creative leaders in the film project. And, you know, it was a long time ago. And this, the point of this film if we're being honest, it seemed like it was to make money. It didn't really seem like it was to embody the characters. Uh, you know, I believe it was a graphic novel or a comic that inspired the film. And so it doesn't seem like that was the purpose of the film, was to embody these really complicated and well-fleshed-out characters. Uh, it seemed like we're going to make this into a movie because it's going to be really flashy and people are going to like it and we're going to make a lot of money. So that... <laughs> And that sometimes happens. Uh, we all want to experience art without all the commercial mumbo-jumbo, I want to say. Uh, and, you know, I also write as a copywriter, so I do marketing. So I know that marketing is very important, but money can't be the only motivating factor. And that's why we you and me, we don't write for money because money can't read and money can't watch movies. So that was an impassioned tangent about why, <laughs> why the picture irritated me so much, but I, I was able to keep my cool. You would be so proud of me. I did not ruin the rest of the movie for my kids, uh, which I have been known to do. So that was good that I didn't in this case. So I was mad. All right, and I want to talk about why being creative is so hard. And I believe that through the story, you could tell, right, that I'm getting more and more upset about this picture. And then I'm thinking about who painted it, the person who commissioned the painting. Like, I'm thinking of all these details. And the reason why is because when you are interacting with other creative people, you cannot be lazy because they will notice. And that's why there's so much pressure when you're creative because other creatives will look at the thing that you made and if something is lazy or, uh, you know, not well thought out, they are going to notice. But the problem with this is that pressure that we feel to work hard can turn into the pressure to want to be perfect, which is not realistic. And also we have crazy standards for ourselves that other people might not have for us. So you have to balance all these things together and it's like juggling your own ideas with other people's ideas uh, and expectations. And so in this case, my expectation in the film was let down because creative people like me and like you, if you're listening to this podcast, want things to make sense, but also be unexpected at the same time. 
And that is extremely difficult, and that takes a lot of brain power. It takes a lot of thinking time. It takes uh, really great execution at whatever your specific type of art is. And for this podcast, we're we're mainly concerned with writing. So in this case, we have to have uh, exacting command over our words, phrases, sentences, paragraphs, scenes, chapters, and overall stories, (laughs) which... I don't know if it helps you to break them down or it makes you feel more overwhelmed. For me, I feel like uh, better when I'm thinking that I can break something down into such a small piece that I can manage I can manage it better. That encourages me. Uh, but if that overwhelms you, just ignore what I just said. <laughs> but we we want to be impressed. We want we want things to follow a natural progression uh, in some way, but we also want those expectations to be uh, subverted. So there's a lot of pressure here. And creatives also try to bring their creative passion to everything they do. And that brings me to today when I was trying to be creative in a really stressful situation. Uh, because Listen, in order to be creative, you constantly have to work hard. And if you're trying to bring that creativity into everything, that means you're working hard all the time at everything. And that sounds really overwhelming when I put it in a sentence like that. But I don't know how to operate any other way. I guess that's one of the reasons why I really need Travis because he's like, okay, but this doesn't have to be, like, perfect right now. And uh, sometimes, you know, putting up a picture doesn't mean that you've handmade the art and then printed it and then treated it. And he's like, you know, we could just do something easy, like print out a picture from Unsplash. And I'm like, no, I have to take the picture. I have to make the art Uh, because I do graphic design, even though I failed out of art school. I still like to make art in different ways, and one of the things that I've been doing more recently is paper sculpting, and I'm also a quilter, and I also do garment construction. Uh, I I can't help myself, okay? I even make, when I make soap, I I want to do it in a creative way, and I want to use colors, and I want to use scents to express myself. The only time where I will say it's really uh, important not to be creative is when you're baking, and you need to get your percentages right on things or else you end up with a flat cake. But you can still be creative while you're baking and that's why we have the Food Network and that's why we have shows like Cake Boss and all those types of things. We see creativity in baking, but I wouldn't try to invent new formulas uh, as far as like ratios and that sort of thing because you'll end up with things that don't taste good and if you bake, you want it to taste good. Uh, For me... This is the only time when I don't try to be super creative. I go on joyofbaking.com with Stephanie Jorsky. She will not ever lead you wrong. I love her so much. Her banana chocolate cake is like a killer dessert that you can make that will really impress people. And guess what? It's not even hard. It's not difficult at all. If you just follow her instructions, and even if you're a visual learner, she has a video where she shows you how to do it. So, uh, you know, that's just a tangent. If you really want to impress someone who's coming over and you want to bake them something, joy of baking all day long. And so uh, my husband and I are working on our student rental 
that was a good idea in any other circumstance, but because of COVID-19, it's not, it hasn't turned out to be that great of an idea. And I was decorating the rooms and I try to be so creative when I'm doing these things. And ultimately, like, it's not about my creativity. It's just about making it look nice so that someone will want to live there or so that they can picture themselves living there. And I push myself past what I can actually do because of my creativity and how I want to bring that into everything. And I think that's why, that's one of the reasons why being creative is so hard because we can't just phone it in because we... We know that other people who think like we do will notice it. And uh, I wish I had some kind of words of wisdom to end this episode with. I can't tell you how to overcome these impulses to make everything special uh, and meet expectations while subverting them at the same time because it's kind of like a disease with me. But if you have any advice, I'd love to hear it. Uh, You can go to the website and write me an email And also, I just want to say that if you're a creative person and you think that you're the only one who's having a hard time, I'm right there with you because I'm caught in this creative web myself. uh, And so I want to make things that all make sense and I want to work hard all the time. And it's a lot of pressure. So just know that you are not alone. I'm there with you and we're going to get through this together. This has been Kristen on the Expensive Words podcast, pouring out my heart for you, my wonderful listener. If there's any question you want to ask me, if there's anything you want to tell me, you can go to expensivewords.com or you can find me on Instagram at kristen.n.spencer. And I would love to hear your wonderful writing thoughts from your amazing writing brain. Happy writing.